the best part about all of this for me, the best part is all the stuff it's allowed me to do. I travel everywhere, meet all these people, just, you know, do really random and crazy things. Like normally the gateway has been because I have a camera in my hand and that's the best thing about it. G'day, this is Living the Dream, a podcast from Gage Roads where you'll hear from people who are all about going after what they love. We'll chat to photographers, musos, surfers, designers, a range of people who are living life their way. In this episode, a guy who knows how to capture a moment. Jared Sang is a photographer, filmmaker, and really one of Australia's most sought-out creatives. He's worked with some of the country's biggest brands. He's toured the world with musicians like Passenger and Angus and Julia Stone. And he's got a special knack of capturing some of the planet's best-known tourist attractions in a really fresh and unique way. He loves a challenge, whether it's public streaking for charity or testing his wits on season two of Survivor Australia. Jared, g'day. How's it going? I'm good. Hey, just to set the scene, we're doing this at your place in Frio. You've led us into the nest. <laughs> yep, I've admitted you entry into the, uh, the den. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool pad. Um, <laughs> as a guy that normally spends, you know, a lot of time traveling on the road, uh, what's the last 18 months been like spending a bit more time here at home base? Um, it's actually been pretty good. I can't complain too much. I was overseas at the time when everything happened. I was in. Uh, I, was, I was probably doing the worst possible thing you can be doing yeah, right. during a pandemic. I was in seven different countries throughout March. Wow. Yep. <laughs> and then eventually had to come home. And, you know, I got to quarantine. Uh, this is back when it was, you could just do it at your house. So I got to come here. Uh, and actually, I mean, I had a good time <laughs> in my quarantine. It's okay to I say know, that. I know that it guilty. sucks for a lot of people, but I was like, you know, this is actually really good. No one's bothering me. I have time to spend in this new place that I just got, which I you know, hadn't really been in it properly before. You know, yeah. I got to like, you know, just take a pause, work out some stuff. My friends would come and bring me coffees through the gate. How good? Man, this is actually really Nice. Learn who your friends are, right? <laughs> like, who are the friends dropping off coffee? They're the ones that you know are the true oh, mates. Give, give Cam Cranley and uh, Rachel Clare a little shout out. Yeah. Both great people you should talk to at some point. We'll do. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then, you know, obviously I've been in WA mainly for the past 18 months and that has been quite nice as well. You know, time to... I've still been working a lot. There's still been a lot to do and I've got to explore this state a lot more than I ever have before. I've been to all corners of Western Australia this past this past year. Do you think that's something that wouldn't have happened if the current situation wasn't just thrown upon you? Gave you a bit of time. Yeah, a bit I don't of space. think so. Because yeah. I, I as a general rule not rule, but you know, I'll always take a a travel job, usually. It might not be the coolest job photography wise, but if it is in Lithuania, <laughs> or if it's something where I haven't been before, I'll always take it. So, you know, I, that was my primary motivation. It, it has been. It's just like getting to visit different places and meet different people. So I'd always be like flying around doing, doing things and probably doing too much, probably flying around so much that, yeah, like I don't spend any time at home and I don't have the time. And I've been, you know, asked to do jobs before at home that were, you know, two or three week campaigns, you know, in WA. But I would always choose an international job over that because I thought, you know, I've got, I've got all the time in the world to explore WA, you know. I might as well go for all these really exotic places if they're being offered to me because who knows how long that will come through to me. Um, but, you know, it's made me realise now that, you know, 
if you just keep saying you have all the time in the world forever, <laughs> you'll never actually do it. That's right. So it's been nice to have been you know, kind of gently forced into um, just staying at home because there is so much here in WA. Yeah, there's nothing like a little bit of forced persuasion, <laughs> right, to, to kind of get something off the to-do yeah, list. To be strong-armed a little bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, that's interesting. So your, your creative skills, your work, you always use that as a way to do something that you love, which is travel the world, meet different mm-hmm. people. Pretty much, and I always say that uh, I like photography, <laughs> but I mean, I do love it, but, you know, I don't wake up in the morning thinking about clicking the shutter. You know, that's not the best part about all of this for me. The best part is all the stuff it's allowed me to do, um, you know, travel everywhere, meet all these people, um, just, you know, do really random and crazy things. Like normally the gateway has been because I have a camera in my hand. It's not, you know, and that's the best thing about it. I love taking photos too, but, you know, if I could do all the same things that I've done in my life, um, well, you know, travel to the same places, meet the same people, if I could do that through something else like playing music or some other art form, I'd be just as happy. I think that's the best part about all of this. Yeah, so this is just the vehicle. This is the thing exactly. that you're good at that allows you to exactly. do what you and that's love. why it's not music enough. Because <laughs> music was my first love. Right. But Have you still got uh, that guitar somewhere around I've here? I've got a keyboard up there that right. doesn't, doesn't get played very often. But, you know, I love everything about music. Um, but the reality is not as good at music <laughs> as photos. Got to um, find your strong suit, right? Can't so be good at exactly. it all. Uh, as much as we'd like to be. I'm good at neither. Um that's uh, it's making a little bit of sense now because when I look through a lot of your work, uh, I see that a lot of it starts a conversation, and and you try to to gear that. I feel um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, looking at from from the outside, is that a part of what you do that you love as well? It gives you an opportunity to maybe chat to someone, speak to someone, learn a different perspective that you otherwise wouldn't be able to find. Yeah, yeah. I think having having a camera in your hand uh, just opens up so many doors. Um, just like literally in that base sense, you know, just walking around on the street, you know, if I have a camera, I have a reason to go up to somebody and say, Hey, I'm doing this, I'm doing this thing. I'm a photographer, you know, do you want to, you know, can I get a cool portrait of you? And then you've just suddenly have this interaction that would never exist. You know, if I didn't have that camera, like I'm fairly introverted most of the time. Yeah. I would not be going up to random people just saying hello. Even if I thought someone was super cool, I, I just, I, I'm not brave enough to like just start a conversation from nothing. So it's kind of like a little prop, a little kind of crutch I can use on the street. And then in, in a broader sense, um, yeah, like anything, anything I want to explore, any topic I want to kind of dive into, photography is an angle. You know, I can start a project about it. I can, you know, create a portrait series. You know, there's always a way in to almost anything if it comes from like a creative photography angle. We're generally pretty shy, right? Like there's not many people who have the confidence to go up to someone they don't know and start yeah. talking to them. Was that something that when you started with photography, you just you had that Superman cape, like it gave you that confidence to do it or did you have to work at it a little I, bit? I still had to work at it. You yeah, know, It's still not an automatic thing. You still feel like a bit of an idiot or a creep, you know, just going up to random people. But I did a lot of projects um, quite early on in my career that forced me out of that. Um I did a I did something uh, for Perth Fashion Festival a long time ago. This this you know, might be eight or nine years ago now, but I set myself a challenge of uh, taking I think it was three hundred portraits over twenty four hours straight. 
in the city of Perth where that's just basically like every five minutes I would have to find a stranger to take a photo of nonstop for 24 hours. Yeah. And when you take out the time of like the intro, <laughs> hey, I'm doing this, all of a sudden you're left with maybe like two minutes 45. Yeah. 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 And it was just, I don't like, I'm glad I did that back then. I couldn't, I can't stay awake for 24 hours now. <laughs> like I'm too old now. But back then, like those kind of things. And I did things overseas too, where I would just, you know, portrait of a stranger every day, just simple things like that. Just, you know, giving yourself a reason to, uh, yeah, some motivation to go out and talk to someone and take a photo of them. Like, I think that was good training for me. Yeah. And now it's, I mean, it's still weird for me to do it on the street, but like, there's much less hesitation now. If I just see something cool, I'll usually just go and do it. It's a muscle memory yeah. now, right? Like, you've built that up. Yeah. Um, so you've got this reason around your neck or in your hand to go up and speak to pretty much whoever you want to, right? Do you find that people are generally more approachable than what we give them credit for? And by people, I mean strangers, people yeah. we don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say there's a 90% hit rate of someone saying yes if you're just nice and friendly about it. They're pretty good odds. With, with me. I don't know what it's like with other people. you got like one I, of those faces. I'm a pretty smiley, um, weird-looking guy, <laughs> like in a, <laughs> in a harmless way, I think. So I think people approachable. are generally, generally pretty, pretty open to it. Maybe yeah. if you look like me, bald, beard, all that kind of thing, <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have the same impact. <laughs> Talking about kind of some of the stuff you did um, earlier in your career, you, you're a creative guy, but when did you realise that you were pretty handy with a camera in your hand and it was the camera, not the keyboard, um, that you should be taking up? <laughs> uh, it was around the univer uh, university days. Um, I was doing a lot of music stuff. But the reason I got into photography was through music. Um, I was just at so many shows. I was reviewing shows. I was doing a, a lot of stuff about around music journalism. But uh, I would have a friend, Anthony Tran, who was a photographer. And this was back when it wasn't, you know, very common to have a have a good camera or a DSLR. It was, nobody had them. But he had one. And he would be at the front of every show that I was at, you know, right up amongst the taking photos of like, you know, my favourite artists. And I'd be way up the back with a little notepad and just be like, oh, what am I going to write, you know? And eventually I was like, oh, you know, I, I th I'm pretty sure I could do what he's doing. Like, it can't be that hard. <laughs> I just need a camera. Like, I just need a camera. That's, that's the thing. And I, I didn't have one. But uh, uh, eventually I, I kind of bluffed my way into a photography pass for uh, West Coast Blues and Roots. Right. 2009 maybe um so i was there to review it but i said that i was a photographer as well when i wasn't and i had to borrow a friend's camera and just google how to take photos <laughs> and then went at it and then yeah it was actually not super hard and it was way 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 more fun than <laughs> than writing so you enjoyed it like i enjoyed those, it because it was just like it was times. kind of like a new way to experience music because i'd always i'd been to so many shows that's that's my life revolved around going to shows yeah and then suddenly with this camera i could be like next to the stage i could like be touching the musician i was like that close and that was really exciting so it was more it, like at the beginning it was still more of a way just to be closer to the to the music but then eventually it turned out oh wait um, it's actually a, a skill I have is, is taking nice photos and, you know, let's see where this goes. Right. So <laughs> it's it wasn't quite finding it on accident. It was kind of working a way to get a little closer to the action. Yeah, yeah. It was all a way just to, you know, participate more, I suppose. I mean, because I, I, speak, I speak about that a bit with photography, you know, you can be a participant or an observer for most of your work. You know, there's kind of that, that balance between the two and sometimes it's best to be fly on the wall 
and you know not be seen by anybody and just capture these moments. But then sometimes you'll get much more exciting stuff if you're you're kind of involved in the photo. Like you're there, the, the subject knows you're there. You're they're kind of reacting to you. So in a way, like the early days was yeah, just about being able to get closer and being able to like just be a part of the action. Right. So is that how your skills developed then? Was it just a, uh, having a crack, taking part, and that's how you, you, you kind of learnt the skills that are the base of you know, yeah, what you do today? Yeah, just, just, you know, just, be, just turn up to places. Um, just turn up. Just turn up. Yeah. And, and my strategy, not that I even thought about it as a strategy in the early days, was just to like be at everything. I'd try and get a gig at like every single event there was. This is back when Facebook was the main way to see things and people would upload entire albums. <laughs> I remember those albums, yeah. <laughs> and nightclubs would put up, you know. So, like, I would, my goal was, like, you know, my name would always be under these photos on Facebook. So, I was, like, just get to everything, get my name under everything. And it was good in, the, in a way because I just, you know, I was at everything, you know, so many events, fashion shows, uh, you know, music stuff, like, just anything I could get my hands on. I was, like, I'll just be there and just take some photos. It's funny, we always try to think about is there a moment where things changed, like a, a tipping point, and sometimes it's probably not that simple, but for you, was there a, a moment where you'd been on this journey of like just get to everything where it tipped over and you're like, hey, like this could be my career, this could be the way mm. I, I live my life? Um, it was probably when I started shooting the Perth International Arts Festival. I actually had, was it was a marketing intern, I was, so I was studying um, mark, uh, commerce and arts communications at UWA. Um, so as part of that, I became a marketing intern at Perth Festival. And then I said, you know, I could take some photos too. So I was also taking photos at the events. And then eventually they were like, I think the internship kind of took a backseat really. <laughs> I don't re- really remember finishing that. or <laughs> Yeah. Fuzzy memory, but it basically turned into uh, I became one of their photographers. And then, you know, the next year they said, you know, we want you back as a photographer. And, you know, they were, it was probably the most money I'd ever had from a job. It, like, looking back now, fairly low. <laughs> but at the time I was like, oh, my God, like I can actually get paid properly um, for just taking photos. Because to me, at that, that stage it still wasn't work at all to me. I was like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe I've tricked everybody to giving me money for something that's easy and fun. <laughs> but yeah, so that was probably the point where I was like, you know what, people are, you know, this is a skill that is useful to, to people. That first paycheck, right, is, and, and when someone's asking you to do it rather than you asking them to be there, um, that can be a real kind of turning point in in maybe just backing yourself a little bit that you yeah, have Yeah, well, especially skills. for something like that, which was quite a prestigious yeah. event and there was a lot of, you know, high-profile performers and things going on because before that you know i'd been paid for jobs before but that was more your thursday night at the mustang socials <laughs> yeah You've gotta start somewhere right but even that even that i couldn't believe i was getting when i first got the you know the first payment which was something <laughs> i think it was like something like 25 dollars an hour it, like and and not covering the editing time so really it's probably like 10 dollars an hour <laughs> but at the time i was like i can't believe one's paying me to do this this is like the easiest and like i'm not really doing anything well you think about those uni jobs too right (laughs) like it sure beats like you know being behind the counter at the woolworths deli or like or you know behind the bar serving drinks yeah i was like you know i could be like i could be doing anything and if this is like a stepping stone kind of job like 
what better way to kind of you know make my uni living than just yeah. clicking clicking buttons and just going out. eventually i got very sick of um <laughs> taking nightclub photos do, do you reckon you can learn to be creative uh i think you can definitely learn it yeah i mean it might be easier for some people more than others i mean it's it's the harder part to learn for sure the technical side of things so easy especially photography like i always tell people like you know i could teach you most of what you need to know in a day like you'll you'll be fine you and have it in the back of your mind and then obviously you have to grind it out to like kind of actually learn it but the the foundation and what you just need to know really easy to teach the technical side you know what what shutter speed is what an aperture is and just basic composition guidelines that that's all pretty easy but the harder bit i still think you can learn it but the harder bit is to you know know all that stuff but also look at a situation and think okay what's the play here you know how do i capture this in a cool way um but i think you can learn it i think you you know it's just through repetition and it's through finding inspiration and finding you know other work or other artists that you enjoy and really analyzing it and working out why do i like that i think that's the hard bit everyone has favorite movies and favorite photographs and everything but but you they probably don't analyze why it's their favorite and once you know that then you can start applying it to yourself you're like ah you know if i want to do something like this guy would it's because he you know uses a lot of shadow or he uses like minimalist composition like and once you work that out then you can do it yourself and then you know start picking it up and it becomes natural to you yeah so allowing yourself some time to maybe reflect not just on what you're doing but what other people are doing and and maybe why that's making you feel yeah exactly yeah just just knowing why why you like something and why you don't, you know, because that, you know, it, most people don't know that. And that's, especially if, when you're learning photography. I remember one of my workshops I was running in Iceland, uh, you know, I'm teaching beginner photographers how to, you know, just, just general things. And then we were out in the field once and, you know, it's always quite hectic in Iceland. There's, a, there's probably a blizzard going on. It was like, it's not super comfortable. And then I remember some, a girl taking a photo and she came up to me and she was like quite a, getting quite frustrated. And I was like, what's wrong? You know, why, what, what's wrong with your photo? And she, and she just said, everything, everything's wrong. <laughs> I was like, well, that's the first problem that you, not everything's wrong. You got to work out exactly what is wrong. Is it, is it a bit blurry? Cause if it is, then you increase your shutter speed. Is it that it's, you know, overexposed, reduce this thing. Is it that you can't, you can't, it's not interesting to you or there's not a, the right subject in the frame, you know. It's all things you can fix. You just got to work out how to and work out how to identify the problems. And then you're fine, you know. Then you can do anything. And even if it is everything, there's still a list and we can work exactly, through it. Exactly, yeah. Right? <laughs> just go through the list. Yeah. But if you just say everything, then you're not going to be able to fix it. This isn't going to work. <laughs> you um, have to be able to step back and break it down. Has what you like changed uh, over the years? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I used to, I used to love everything, portraits, for example, like everything super soft, overcast days, you know, just because it, I knew that I'd get a good photo out of it. It was quite safe, you know, when it's an overcast day, you know, it's really soft portraits, you know, there's no shadows under people's eyes. So no matter what you do, it's going to be a pretty nice photo. But then now I started realizing that's also kind of boring. <laughs> you do want light and shade. You do want, um, you know, your lighting to be interesting and to kind of catch people's eye. And 
so now when I, you know, aim for portraits or set up a portrait, it's it's rarely am I looking for that same overcast light. Now it's okay, we can do something interesting with the sunbeam coming through the window or, you know, how can we move around light to, to shape it and, and create something that, that most people wouldn't. So, yeah, it's definitely changed over the years. And, and now, yeah, I, I'm more likely to think a soft portrait is quite boring, whereas before that was my go-to. But how fun is that, right? It's not just doing the same thing over and over and again. You, you're almost like discovering kind of what you like as you go on. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, and it's fun for me because I, it's like it becomes a challenge again. And now I have much, a much better understanding that when you challenge yourself and when it's hard – actually a good thing and that means you're learning a new skill or you're growing or you're pushing the boundary a little bit um which i probably had in the back of my mind back in the day but yeah back in the day if something was hard i'd probably be like this sucks <laughs> like what and get really scared and be like no nah, i just want i don't want to do it you know but now it's like okay if it's really scary and hard probably a good thing like probably once it's done i'll be like that was a good thing yeah throw the safety blanket off <laughs> yeah i like it um so I, I think you've touched on this a little bit, but your uh, your industry is one where there's it's pretty crowded, right? And there's a lot of people wanting to, to come in and maybe differently to when you started out um, with technology and the access to equipment being kind of far easier yeah. and cheaper, a lot of people are, are kind of moving into that space. Um, what's your advice to, to someone who, who really wants to make that like their day-to-day? They, they want that to be the thing that they wake up and do every day rather than the day job and then just this is a yeah. bit of fun. I mean, it's a lot of work. In some ways, it's harder. Some ways, it's easier than when I, you know, 12 or 13 years ago when I started. I mean, it's much easier to have uh, access to gear and access to... It's much more normal to take photos now, you know. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. everyone every, the, the everyday person is always in a shoot these days. Like, There's always some shoot or something going on. Um, so it's a lot easier in that respect. But like you said, the harder thing is that... 10,000 other people trying to do it too. Um, I mean, you just, you basically have to just, you know, you have to either, you have to work harder than everyone else or you have to be doing more interesting things than, than other people. You know, you have to break out some way. You have to distinguish yourself in some way. And maybe that's being really creative or finding a niche or just, you know, becoming so good at one particular thing. Or like I did just do like, you know, just, funny things and, and like kind of stunts or, you know, like 24 hour photography, just like set yourself projects and do them. And that's the kind of stuff that most people aren't doing. They just, you know, just taking photos for Instagram or, or little branded shoots, which is cool. But I mean, you're never going to stand out doing that. You, you need to do more. Do something um, different. Yeah. And, and maybe, and if you don't have these wild projects in your mind, maybe the way you stand out is by working twice as hard as everyone, you know, there's, there's so many ways or being, the nicest person to work with. You know, this, you can stand out in so many ways, but, you know, you, 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 it's basically putting in more effort than other people would. What is it that you're always trying to, to capture when you've got the camera in hand? I know you spoke about you can learn the technical side of things mm-hmm. and then you need to understand um, what you're feeling when you're seeing things and work toward it. But is there something that, I don't know, keeps you, kind of keeps you straight when you've got the camera in the hand that you're always trying to look for? Mm, it's a lot of different things and I, I shoot such a diverse range of stuff you know portraits I'm starting to shoot more portraiture now um, but really most of my work is in tourism it's in, with bands and it's it's 
yeah, it really could be anything. So it's hard to kind of kind of distill that down across the board. But um, well, I mean, tourism is an interesting point, right? Because a lot of people go to the same places yeah. to take the same photos. Yeah. So if you've got uh, a campaign that you're working on, how do you do something that's different or to separate it from yeah. the flood of other images that exist? Yeah, I, I guess it's just attacking it from different angles. You know, there's always the shot that everyone has taken. And sometimes I need to take that as well, you know. That it's, it, there's a, it's the reason it's a popular shot is probably because it's a really good shot. <laughs> you know, really good angle, really good time of day, whatever it is. Um, so, you know, you do cover your bases, but then you start thinking, you know, yeah, how am I going to take something that's, that's me? How am I going to take something that, um, you know, that reminds the tourism board why they've chosen me over someone else? So that's when you start getting quite creative. And like I said, that's when you start playing with light, like I was talking about before, you know, and, and getting away from the safe shot that most people would take and then make something amazing out of a really interesting lighting situation that is, like, probably quite tough to shoot. Or it's going for a different angle. I always say, you know, the easiest way to um, get a fresh take on a location is just to walk further <laughs> than any, anyone else has. Um and I guess you could apply that metaphorically across the board, yeah. but also just literally, you know, if 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 you rock up to somewhere and there's a hundred tourists in one spot, just keep walking. Like find another angle of it, and you know, the more that you walk, and people generally people are just lazy, and and like, and I tell myself, I tell myself this a lot because I don't like hiking really. <laughs> really, I've seen your shots. It seems like you're hiking everywhere. I know, but I do it for the shot. I don't. Right. I don't really. If there was no photo involved, I probably wouldn't be doing it. Um, but I keep telling myself, you know, every step I take, every minute longer, I keep walking. Is another minute that someone else has been like, oh, that's enough. <laughs> I like that. So you just know, the further you've gone, the less people have stood there, and the less people have taken this photo. Is there is there a moment that really sticks with you? Something that you maybe took the extra step or the extra few thousand steps or waited around longer than everyone else and the yeah. results are really worthwhile? There's probably a ton of them, but, you know, is there the I one mean, that really stands pretty, out? I mean, it happened pretty – I used to shoot so often in Iceland. Um, maybe I've been there 12 times or something. Um, that's really where that mindset comes in play when you're trying to – especially when you're trying to shoot the Northern Lights because it's pretty unpredictable. Uh, but, you know, using – the maps and the data and the predictions and everything, you ca- you have a pretty high chance of leaving Northern Lights. Everyone thinks it's quite a lucky thing, but you act- if you just work at it, but it might mean at 2 a.m. you have to drive for three hours to somewhere where the clouds uh, are less, uh, aren't there. You know, Bed's cosy, it's cold outside. <laughs> exactly. It's so constantly when I'm in Iceland, that's the battle. It's like, uh, it might not even work. But, you know, who else is going to be up at 5 a.m. in the, you know, three hours away from our accommodation? Uh, granted, I don't think I'd be as keen now. Like, when I was doing that, it was, I had much more energy back in the day. <laughs> so I was, like, just smashing it. Like, you know, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. But, yeah, so many times. Actually, no, this one comes to mind. I remember one time in South Africa, uh, I was doing a campaign for uh, tourism there in Cape Town. And I really, really wanted to get a unique shot of Table Mountain or from Table Mountain, which is, like, crazy to even think you could get a unique shot. <laughs> it's just, you know, millions and millions of people have been there. Uh, and I was with a group, and everyone had... We'd kind of done our sunset shots, and everyone went to bed. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, I just... I Because it was more to stand out in the group I was in as well. I was like, I want to show you that I, you know, I'm willing to take it extra. Bit of a mini flex. Yeah, 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 over this group. 
but broadly more than anyone. So I uh, you know got in touch with some local guys and I said, "You up for like a, a one a.m. hike up the mountain?" <laughs> and I, All right, let's do it. So yeah, just you know, in, in complete darkness, you know, climbing up Table Mountain and then finding this crazy angle where we'd have a view of Lions Head, this other this other like range and and city lights in the background. It was just such a cool, rarely seen photograph. You know, stars out, city out, everything. That's exciting. And that's interesting as well because there's a lot of work that you do for yourself for exhibitions, but there's also a lot of campaign work that, yeah. that you do as well. It might be a tourism board. It might be a brand. Um, do you feel extra pressure uh, when, you're, when you're working for, for someone like that? And there's the creative side that you bring, but there's also like a pretty targeted brief that they have yeah. on their end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is definitely more pressure. Well, I don't know, actually. I mean, I'm pretty hard on myself too with my personal. Work. You're a hard marker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, there's there is a, an added pressure for commercial shoots um, because yeah, they you know, and the thing is, it actually people might think that it gets easier as you get better, but I'd say it gets harder because now there's more expectation. Right, the stakes are a bit higher. Yeah, yeah, and you know, back in the day, people were probably hiring me because I was cheaper and cheap and young, you know, <laughs> and just willing to do it. Cheap, young, and hungry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And now it's like, well, they're paying a lot more now, but that's because they expect a Jared saying take on this, and it's not not that easy to like, yeah, to get that you know amazing shot all the time. Sometimes you, know, you rock up to a situation and you're like, what am I going to do here? <laughs> you know, this is pretty tough. So yeah, the expect the weight and the of expectation and the pressure is probably higher than it's ever been, but you know I think that just stays with you forever and you just keeps you know, forcing you to uh, you get better. Yeah, there's probably <laughs> a reason you think like that, and that's the reason that you now are being sought out because you do put that pressure yeah. on yourself and you work yeah, hard. Yeah, exactly. And then that's something I'm pretty proud of is that you know every shoot I do, and I do sometimes I do the wildest shoots, but sometimes I'll be just at the shopping centre doing some, some photos for a kid's event, you know, and I don't really need to do that, that stuff anymore. But I don't mind it, you know, if I'm free, I'll go and do it. And then you still bring that same mindset to it. It's like, you know, I'm not just going to like sit on a chair and take photos and that will probably be fine for what's needed. But no, I want to make this really interesting and I want to make, uh, you know, try to try do something that is unique. You know, it just puts a nice creative spin on something when you don't have to. So I yeah. think having having that mindset for every job is a good thing. Yeah, uh, on that, it's funny, you know, um, talking about maybe going doing the children's event and stuff like that. Do you just get hit up by your mates for weddings all the time? <laughs> and is that the most annoying thing? Or do you um, kind of love it a little bit? don't. I think, I think my mates, I think that, I mean, if you're my mate, you, you realise how much stuff I do. <laughs> and I think they would they would know that it's unless it's something amazing. Yeah, so I will. I do shoot mates' weddings every now and then, but it has to be have to be a pretty close mate, or it has to be you know, we're going to um, you know we're going to New York to shoot in the in the street. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do that. You know, it's coming back to the travel thing. You know, if it's somewhere cool, you'll usually get me there. Right, <laughs> the rules to, to get, get Jared. Yeah. If it's far away, yeah, you've got far it. Far away and remote, like I'm in. If it's something that. You that I'll think is cool, but regardless of who it is, then yeah, that's the way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I on that topic, I do help out mates less so with weddings, uh, though I do. But with any, but with just random stuff with friends, you know, I'm always I'm always keen to help other people with their projects. 
So this actually comes up quite a bit, this, this topic, because there's, the topic always comes up about being, doing, doing work for free um, versus being paid for jobs. And I'll, yeah, at so, yeah, you just got to know the right time. You know, it's not a black and white thing. I see so many things online about people saying, never work for free, you know, you know what you're worth. I'm like, yeah, but sometimes you're not worth <laughs> anything yeah what if it's really helping someone out you know? <laughs> yeah well it depends yeah. What it is. or if you're just you've just picked up a camera or you're pretty green you know and people say no you're, you always you know get get paid for your time and it's like well if you're just starting out you're not really worth paying very much money or little, at all a little humility in the early days yeah goes like a long way right? yeah because i think it's swinging the other way like it's very good to know when you should be compensated for something which is when somebody else is benefiting greatly from something or they're making money out of something if they're making money out of something you should probably be making money if you're helping them but um yeah so i think yeah some, sometimes i've seen yeah, the wrong attitude to that as well I yeah. think, you know, you got to know when you are actually benefiting from something by being on the job more than the other person. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they're doing you a favour by letting you be there and learn and train. So you just got to be self-aware. Um, so yeah, coming back to what we're talking about, yeah, I do lots of stuff to help out other artists or my, or my friends. Um, and you know what? Not because of this, but it always ends up happening that, you know, then they'll help you out. Some, some point down the track, you know? They'll pass you a coffee during COVID, you know? It's, it's, <laughs> exactly. It's, it swings and roundabouts. It all comes down to that. <laughs> I, uh, I know it started with um, with shooting bands and wanting to get closer uh, at gigs that you're always at, but um, do you still enjoy going out on the road? And, and no, not a lot of it lately, but um, heading out on tour with bands and shooting different gigs? Yeah, so that part of it has just stayed through my whole career, you know? Uh, apart from the last <laughs> year, yeah. um, at least three or four months of the year, I'll be out on tour with someone. For the past, you know, maybe seven years or something. And I love it. I love the lifestyle. I love just being able to be in a different city, you know, every two days, hanging out with my, you know, now they're my best mates, but they also are my favourite musicians too. Like Passenger, Angus and Julia Stone. Uh, just started touring with Jimmy Barnes lately. And that's right, been... That's different. That's different. Yeah. It's, been, it's awesome, you know. I just... Like I just love hanging out with these, these people and and just watching them, you know, control a crowd. It's a really fun experience. It's probably uh, like creatively, it's not the most you know challenging thing for me anymore. It is. I try. I try to make it like that, you know. But you know, there's a show is a show, and especially if you're, for example, with Passenger, I've probably photographed his same set. I don't know. 300 times <laughs> and there's things that are always going to happen right you know then yeah things have changed the venue changes you know but a lot of it is the same the, a lot of the lighting's the same a lot of the songs are the same so uh yeah i'm always pushing myself to try and you get a new take on it but there's there's only so much you can do so it's less about pushing myself creatively when i jump on a tour but and more about just the lifestyle and just how much fun it will be to like travel around with my mates yeah, is it just like a rolling party, you know, with, with your best mates now? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, I travel with, they're pretty tame, the people I do. It's not, it's not super wild. It's just fun. It's just like yeah. we're on like a, yeah, a road trip together. And we do. we do. We have fun on the off days. We go and do fun things. We shoot music videos, you know, in random cities around the place. So it's just a really fun time, you know. But in saying that, 
not being able to do that and not having five months of my year taken up by that recently has actually – I actually feel like I have um, learnt more through the different jobs I've been taking because normally I would – yeah, if I wanted to, I would just shoot that to a, a large part of the year. Um, but because I'm not doing that, there's a lot more jobs, smaller jobs that don't take as long and they've been quite diverse um, recently. So I have been happy to kind of, you know, stretch out a bit more and get back to shooting you know, everything <laughs> like I used to. Um, and, you know, kind of revisit some genres of photography that I, you know, kind of neglected. Um, you know, I'm shooting a lot more portraits these days. Um, and sh- shooting, like I was talking to you before this, uh, Miss Universe swimsuit work, which is kind of, you know, I don't really do that do that kind of stuff anymore, you know, fashion or... Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, working on that this year uh, made me realise, well, you know, this is really... Now that I, you know, it, you know I, and I learn more every year. So, you know, coming into it this year, I was like, wow, you know, I can, I'm, I'm finding myself experimenting more or, or using more complex lighting setups than I used to. And it's quite a fun challenge to do it. And I feel myself getting better. So that has been the good, the, the one, one of the good things about not touring is, you know, I've been doing so many other things in place of like one tour. I was, uh, we are just talking a little bit about kind of new projects and things like that. And you're saying there's stuff that maybe has been on the agenda for a few years, but where do you get your ideas? I'm always fascinated when there's maybe a jolt of inspiration mm. that, that hits people. Is it pretty random for you or are there kind of situations that always bring themselves up to a new idea? Mm. I think it's pretty random to be honest. Like I'm hesitant, like there's some pretty funny ideas, but I don't want to talk about them because like someone else might steal it. Yeah. And, you kind of <laughs> and they're really too, right? like, I've got, there's one idea. I mean, I think I've talked about it before, but I've really, really, and I, I started doing this maybe six years ago and then I didn't continue it. But um, I had this idea of crowdsourcing um, photo ideas from Twitter, but in a very specific niche, which was hate tweets to Justin Bieber. Right. And this, okay, so when I first had this idea, he was, he had done nothing wrong. <laughs> he was just like an innocent young pop star boy. But everyone loved to hate him. And I noticed on Twitter, there would be, so, like people would just go over the top. And, and like where does that vitriol come from? I was like, from, yeah, right? like, I was like, so, you know, this whole thing, thing was to make fun of trolls, basically, not to make fun of Justin Bieber. And then he started like, pissing in buckets or whatever he was doing. I was like, oh, now people kind of have a reason. Maybe to they just got him. it, yeah. Um, but the idea still stood, which was, yeah, kind of highlighting how gross and over-the-top people are on the internet to people they don't know. Um, so I had saved a whole bunch of these tweets, and I still have the screenshots of them, but they are things like – so the key phrase was, would you rather? And um, – so it would be no, I would rather. Sorry, and I would find tweets that would say, "I would rather cheese grate my face off than listen to Justin Bieber." And yeah. I was like, "Oh, would you really? Would you? Let's yeah. recreate that in a photo." Yeah, right. So we had special fe- effects makeup. We had all this stuff, and we would re- literally recreate what they were saying in photo. And it was like quite g- graphic, but like funny. 
Yeah, know. I think that's fun. But it also <laughs> kind of says something too, like, come on, guys, like, check yourself. Yeah, it was like, yeah. come on. And, yeah. and, you know, the idea was to have the, you know, the didactic would be the tweet underneath it. Yeah. And yeah. some of these would be from, from like, I don't know when Twitter started, but like 2005 or something, you know? And it'd be like, yeah, it's something he said. That you might you can look at it one day and be like, "Wow, that's so, like that was so long ago." You're like that person doesn't think that anymore. It was like, "Yeah, but it's there on the internet." Jeez, I, I see, I think that even has more relevance so many years later. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, it's like you know, you you did say it when you were sixteen, but it's I found it yesterday. So you know, stuff on the internet doesn't go away. Yeah, you're an accountant now, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. Anyway, maybe maybe talking about it right now will make me. Do this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Out of fear of someone else going and doing yeah, the same thing. Yeah, do it. Nothing like fear uh, is a motivator. Need, but yeah, I, I, I want to find a different pop star though now. But yeah. And I tried to, like a couple of years ago, I was like, let's reset this idea, but it can't be Justin Bieber anymore. It's kind of, it's kind of old. Yeah. So I started looking up other people, like Taylor Swift or whoever, but Nickelback, no one got the same amount of vitriol as Justin Bieber. I don't know what it was about him. There was something there. It was, it was <laughs> but like, people just love to like, yeah, graphic with it. Yeah. So, you know. It's like I'll people found it unfair that he was successful and maybe. so squeaky clean. But, yeah. you know, maybe maybe there's just people through different stages and you could take us on a bit of a, yeah, like yeah. a journey over maybe. the last 20 yeah. years yeah. or however long Twitter's, <laughs> Twitter's been around. Anyway, um, that's on the agenda. Yeah, I like it. One. See, uh, that just came from, I don't know where that idea came from. Just so the Twitter. list is always there and it kind of comes <laughs> There is actually a list, yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's an iNote. <laughs> on the, uh, there's a note on the iPhone which has like a bunch of these these ideas and, yeah uh, just ever expanding yeah. <laughs> um, hey I'm going to bring this up because it's back at the moment but uh, yeah. you're, you're on Survivor going back what 2017 27, yeah that's it four years ago now yeah how, how do you kind ago. of reflect back on it now was it a good time broadly it was a good time like if you go to the micro of you know if I picture myself trying to sleep on a bunch of sticks while the rain is pouring on me and I'm getting eaten by bugs and having to like burn my hands on the fire to get rid of the itch. That bit, not so good. <laughs> but as an experience, uh, it was so exciting and intense and like nothing else you could ever do. <laughs> I can't imagine anything that would come close to that experience. So it was great and I'll, I'll definitely do it again yeah, if the opportunity came Would out. you do it again? Yeah, for sure. Yeah? Even just, though you like, know now even how I know, difficult it I is. Know, but like as I was saying, that's where the good stuff happens, you know, when it's like messed up. And so the good walk. is so good <laughs> that you would go through having to burn your hands uh, to get rid of the itch again. I wouldn't say the good is so good. I'd say the bad is good. Right. <laughs> like all the bad stuff is actually good. My favourite part of it, my favourite moment of the whole thing was probably on the third night where it was mental. Like we were torrential rain for like, you know, 12 hours straight. And we were trying to, my whole tribe was trying to protect this fire because if it went out, then we would have no fire. And like that, that was it. That, that, that's what happened. And it was just like, it was kind of like torture. It was like, it was freezing um, we were all huddled in a circle to protect the fire with like these big palm leaves. Everyone's inhaling like thick smoke and like gagging from sundown to sunrise the next day. So literally 12 hours of standing around just choking basically. Yeah. But I just, just threw out that night. I just remember looking around and it was 
quite a cinematic moment. You know, I'm looking around at everyone's faces, like crying and like lit up by the fire. And but but would, everyone just stood there, you know, arms around each other for so long. And I was like, that's so cool that we're doing this, you know. And the, and if you were by yourself, you would just quit. You know, I would definitely would quit if I was by myself. So there like, was there's like a power in numbers. The power yeah. in everyone just doing it, and yeah. and no one's going to be the first one to let the team down. So you end up just doing it. Everyone's, <laughs> and it was quite an intense night actually. Um, there was like it was very, there was a very close call of someone, a couple of people being like seriously hurt and uh, like hypothermia and some other stuff. It was like it was real and full on. Um, but yeah, when I look back, I'm like, that was cool. Like, just the power of of people supporting each other really came through. Did you did you learn anything about yourself when you were out there? Because you were there for a while. Yeah, thirty, I don't know, thirty nine days or something. Um, I don't know. It was definitely a like character shaping experience, like, and just just you know put put just. I guess the main thing I learned is that you know if you just if you push yourself like you will get through most things you know just don't give up you know you can keep going um and that if you have people around you to, to prop each other up you'll be, together you'll keep going much further than if you were doing this individual so i guess it showed me the power of having you know, teamwork and the entrusted people around you um yeah it taught me a lot about just reality tv yeah right <laughs> production the other side of the camera um, yeah. that was yeah, interesting and i and i if i went back then i would i think i would i would go back with a much better understanding that oh it's a, it is a tv show because <laughs> yeah. i went into it i was just a, a fan of survivor and i i went in it into it with the primary purpose of winning and and so you really wanted to win i really wanted to win yeah. and i the TV part of it, I was like, oh, that's just that's just a necessary part of it. But really, I'm there to win, and the TV stuff will sort itself out. But now I understand more that it's actually a really important part of it, presenting yourself for cameras. And, like you're and a character. You are a character, yeah. and like you winning is can be the, the motivation, but also be mindful that it's entertainment. Um, and yeah, I really just neglected that. I didn't think about that part of it too much. So when you watched it back, when I watched it back, I was like, "Oh, it's kind of like it's kind of it's kind of kind of sucks that I'm not in it more." Right. I'm like, and the, but then I have to think about why is that? Like, you know, I need to give him a little bit. Yeah, I need yeah. to give more too, and that's not something. That's not like a shameful thing. It's like it is a show, and you know the characters that you love seeing on reality TV. It's probably because they are aware of that and they are showing more of their personality or doing. You know, if there's a there's a lot of coin flip moments in my experience where um, I had idea. You know, I'm, I always have my ideas, and I was like, "This would be so funny if I did this thing right now." But then the other part of my brain was like, "Yeah, but you, it would jeopardize what you're doing to win the game." You know, you could reveal yourself as this sneaky person if you did this thing. So I'm like, okay, I won't do it. Won't do it then. But now, if I went back, I'd be like, "Well, I'd definitely do it now." Yeah. You know, and sometimes that helps you. Like, not not to don't be afraid to like reveal yourself more which is a tough thing because on a game like survivor you want to reveal yourself less to be like that is the best strategy to those around you right you don't want to be a target no you want to anything good about yourself play it down you want to play it down so that's where the real the conflict starts 
arising in a game like Survivor because, yeah, you, the pathway forward is, is easier if you, uh, if you shrink yourself down. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's probably not the best thing to do. You know, yeah. you need to you need to take a risk. You need to you know you need to be like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna show my true colors here as a conniving person, but I just got to take that hit because in the long run, it's probably better. It's probably from a um, a consumer point of view, right? The viewer point of view, it's probably the most forgiving show on someone being a bit of a villain, right? Because yeah, like and actually, I was the DNA like, of the game. Oh, now it is. See that you now, think earlier it wasn't. Earlier it wasn't because. The first season of... I was on the second one. The first season of it, um, the, the villains... And they weren't even really villains. Um, you know, the strategic players who were a bit more cutthroat, they got vilified really? by the public. Yeah. Know? And they were actually the best players. Like Nick Nick from season one, Phoebe from season one. Amazing Survivor players. Um, but um, it was just was this weird... I don't, I don't know if it's the way that it was edited or just... You know, it was Australia's first introduction to their own version of Survivor. Like, they were hate. The people didn't like it. Like, gameplay, people who loved the game loved it, if you're a Survivor fan. But if you were just general public watching TV, you're like, who's this guy lying on TV? Like, oh, how dare you do how that? How dare you do that? Nah, what about, what about mateship? And what about the, the Australian way? Yeah. And it was, like, really weird that, like, kind of probably the, the characters on there that were the worst players... Um, were getting the most praise because they they didn't lie to anyone. But that's like, that's what Survivor is. You know it's, what you're it's, doing here, it's guys. De- yeah. It's deceiving people without letting them know you're deceiving them. You know, so like that was weighing on my mind. And because I you know had a profile already before I went on the show, I was like, I'd really like I don't I don't I, you know if I'm too sneaky, this, I'm gonna it's gonna come back bad on me you might jeopardize a few things exactly, when you come back like home realize, right yeah you know? you're I a likable be... fun guy and people want yeah. you to come up to them when you've got the camera in their head all exactly. of a sudden it's like hey you're that dude that did that and thing. the other thing is like and and there is kind of unfortunately a, a, a like a race element in, involved there too you know if i am starting to be a bit of a sneaky villain then i become your classic like uh like asian yeah. archetype villain yeah. that you always see. Uh, you were a bit conscious of that? <laughs> I was a bit conscious of that. Yeah. I was like, you know, like if I start, you know, doing some sneaky stuff, they're just going to turn me into this caricature of this. Like, And because that, that's usually what happens. Like it's better now, but back in the day, and definitely even just Survivor, American Survivor back in the day, that have, there was an Asian dude on there. He would either be some like ninja warrior or he'd be some like wacky, like old, yeah. like, guru kind of do you know it's like they've got their set molds for you that you wouldn't just be a normal dude yeah yeah <laughs> so like that wasn't back on my i was like i don't want to turn into some like um some, some weirdo like sneaky you know every time i come on screen they'll put some like sneaky music on oh there's that little asian s- sneak yeah, yeah <laughs> like yeah it's it's it, you know and i you know some people might say that's you know creating something where there isn't but i'm you know it's pretty well documented that there's a lot of seasons to go back on and see how things go <laughs> yeah like yeah and you know and that's not just a race thing you know if you you know people can turn you into a into whatever on reality tv no matter what you look like but you know 
it's easy to do it if you look different. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's only been like a handful of seasons here in Australia, but is there a little like survivor contestant alumni? Do you guys kind of flick each other messages from time to time and, yeah. you know, get in touch, especially when there's like a new season about to, to crack off? Yeah. I mean, the people from my season will always stay in touch and, and we're all pretty good friends, I think, mostly. <laughs> Says with an eye roll, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's probably five, five or six like really close friends I have from my season, and we've you know been to you know each other's weddings and uh, trips, and you know they're some of my closest friends because you just you go through the most intense thing <laughs> together, um, and that really just bonds you. You know you've just you've seen each other like you like definitely the worst you've <laughs> you've ever been in your life. How long did it take you to feel like you were normal again? You know health wise because. You're not a big guy. You wouldn't have had much weight to lose. Yeah, but did I don't it take have a while to lose. I lost five kilos, I think, which was yeah, probably like 10%. Of yeah, five weight. kilos is not much. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I think what it did, I'm just guessing here, I think that whole experience full on flicked a switch in my metabolism. Really? <laughs> because I never had any problem with like bloating or anything like that. And then you really, you put your body through the the ringer, really. Like, you basically have just rice and beans for over a month. Uh, and then when I got out, I was on the jury, so I still had about 10 days of being in the game, but I, I was voted out. But then I could eat all the food I ever wanted. So it was just like, it really, I think, wrecked everyone's bodies, going from nothing to, like, indulging um, and then I was just like mega bloated through that whole jury um, two weeks. Yeah. And then even when I came home and then, and probably still like, I still, I feel like something really, like it was bound to happen anyway, like just by getting older. But I feel like that survivor period just, you know, flicked a switch in my body. It's like it you were you. young and now you are old. Yeah. <laughs> in one drastic kind of moment. Yeah. Um, Hey, just to wrap up, um, you were cool enough to let us do this at, at your place today yep. and it's such an interesting place. But it, for someone like you, is there something on the wall that means the most to you here at home? Mm. There's plenty to pick from. You there's know, a looking lot to around, pick from. There's some amazing art and some amazing photos and things like that. Um, yeah, I can't really pick one thing, but I'll, I'll just mention a few things. I mean, there's an artwork by Pippa McManus, one of my closest friends. There's um, this this large uh rot nest aerial above the bookshelf yeah um that was just from one of my old exhibitions that i'm really proud of uh that i did together with amak island and uh this didn't sell and i was like great because i want it i really want <laughs> it yeah um yeah there's just 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 nice things around the place and uh like there's a lot of i quite like how random this bookshelf is yeah like if it's you, if you start looking carefully yeah you would start wondering this is a quite a weird mix of things to be on this shelf. We've yep. got like vintage lenses, got like little like wood carvings from from Argentina, little penguin from um, this like the post office in Antarctica. That makes sense. <laughs> of course, the post office in Antarctica like sells penguins. Some goggles from Burning Man. Like I just love how like it's a lot of my like strange life experiences are represented through the the, the things on this shelf. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they all, you know, and now that I, you know, have a place to call my own, which I didn't for un- until two years ago, um, 
It's cool because all this stuff used to just be in boxes. You know, I sure. just collect things from around the world and then just like put it away. You know, there was nowhere to put it. And now I'm like, yeah, this feels really good. It feels like a nest where I've just gone around the world, you know, plucking things and <laughs> brought it all back here. And it, yeah, it helps remind me. That's the thing. It helps remind me about all the stuff I've done because I, I just, it's all a blur. Um, Nothing like walking past something like this to get your coffee in the morning and a little piece, maybe it's that little wooden penguin catches yeah. your eye and you're like, I remember uh, that Yeah, day. I remember walking down the street in yeah. like Buenos Aires and, you know, negotiating with this, this market dude. And, yeah. and I remember, you know, just the feeling of you know, tra- traveling down there. And yeah, there's all, there's so many little memories. Um, and when you do, it's, yeah, when you do so much, like, like I do, or like I did, um, like I was just on the road. Like, I, I, I was, I, I had to keep a log of this stuff for like my records, but I was, the average was a hundred flights a year. Wow. And I would just be in a different time zone constantly. And it really, that became normal. So it's not like you have a normal life and then you do an amazing trip and you remember everything about that trip. Like the normal thing was just going wild everywhere. Yeah. And like, it's just impossible to like remember the details of things that happen. And it's kind of sad because I, I forget, I forget so many things that have happened. You feel sad when you remember a thing in a sense because you're like, <laughs> I forgot about that. And yeah. What else did I forget Yeah, and I'm like, about? but that was amazing. Yeah. Like, why is that not at the front of my brain at all times? But it's all there, right? It's just waiting for an excuse <laughs> to come back, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's the the value, I guess, of, of, of all these things. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Jared, um, thanks so much for letting us into your place and um, no for, for having a chat. Really appreciate it. And yeah, great to see a few of those mementos <laughs> up close as well. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you for having me.